Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Hey, hello, and welcome to the Sing Second Sports Podcast. Today is Monday, February 21st, and we're here to break down the weekend that was. There were ups, there were a few downs, there were end stars earned, and even some NASCAR. So I'm your host, John Schofield, and joining me, as always, is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette and Chris Cervello, our producer. So let's break it down. First things first, like Lloyd Braun in Frank Costanza's garage selling computers, shock another star up on the big board, Mr. C., Navy Wrestling welcomed Army to Annapolis for some Friday night lights, and oof, they delivered the goods. Navy Wrestling won seven of the ten bouts, including each of the last five, to secure a 22-9 victory over Army in the star match Friday night at Alumni Hall. The Mids, who have dominated the wrestling series, listen to these numbers, 51, 10, and 5. 51 wins, 10 losses, 5 draws. Now own a 15-2 advantage. 15-2 15-2 uh, in the overall star series that's presented by USAA. Uh, Key, Allen, Katka, Coderhant were among those who were victorious in the final five matches, as well as our guest from last week, Jacob Kozer, who secured a 2-1 victory at 197 pounds. It looked dicey there for a minute with Army up 9-6 halfway through the meet. And then, boom, the doors were blown off. Hats off to the fighting Colats for making the yard arm at gate one all the heavier. Wags, what were your thoughts on the results? Great performance by Navy Wrestling. And Jacob Allen, the senior captain, fittingly clinched the victory with, uh, with a win in 133-pound match. Uh, you mentioned Coaster. That was a big match because he had been had a back-and-forth battle with JT Brown, and we talked to him about that. So that's a huge win for Jacob. Um, but, yeah, they, they got on a roll. Obviously, Army uh, was up early, but the Navy wrestlers really took control and closed it out in fine fashion. And that's two in a row now, obviously. Uh, Navy had lost four straight to Army, and uh, Kerry Colat was brought in here with, uh, in charge with beating Army, getting back, Navy back into dominance and wrestling Matt, and sure enough here two years of coach Colette and two victories over army job yeah very strong and getting the results that they want including that star so it's huge so let's transition a little bit navy lacrosse you know joe amplo is the coach when there's a holiday weekend trip to strong island for navy lax and it was a productive one dane swanson scored four goals and handed out an assist while scalniak scored two goals and dished out three assists to lead Navy men's lacrosse to a dominating 13-6 win over Hofstra on Friday night. And then Jacob Jarris, Nate Hammond, uh, and others combined to win 16 of 18 draws while the mids offense caught fire over the final 30 minutes to then lead them to their second straight victory, a 9-6 victory over Manhattan on Sunday afternoon. Said Joe Amplo, the story of the game was our face-off, guys. We lose that game 
if they aren't as dominant as they were. So Navy now stands at two and one after the head scratching loss to the Mount to open the season. Next up for the Mids is a return to Navy Marine Corps Stadium Saturday to host High, High Point. Side note, shout out to St. Mary's High School goalie and High Point signee Zach Pastrana. I'm sure he and his family will be there for that game. Zach, of course, is the grandson of the late, great Alan Pastrana, who was honored along with Navy's Diego Fago at the recent Annapolis Touchdown Club dinner. Wags, real quick, before we hit on the rest of lacrosse, Talk to us a little bit about the dinner, which also featured Annapolis legend Bill Belichick. Yes, uh, it was a wonderful banquet. It always is. It's uh, a who's who of Annapolitans come out to that banquet every year. It's been sold out for as long as I've been involved. Uh, basically, it's sold out before it even is announced because of, we have such an incredible retention rate. Uh, I've been on the Touchdown Club Board of Governors for 30 years. I was president for a few years. So it takes, I take great pride in this club and this organization, but yes, coach Belichick came because he uh, wanted to personally present the award that was established in honor of his father, the Steve Belichick coaches award to the Pastrana family. Um, Diane Pastrana was very moved by this gesture. Bill gave a great speech. Uh, one of the best lines that coach Belichick had during his remarks he said that during his time in the NFL, he's uh, been fortunate to coach a lot of Navy football players. He mentioned Kyle Echol and Eric Catani and uh, Max Lane. And he said, noted that they now have Malcolm Perry with the Patriots. And his next line was, we're still looking for that first Army guy. Uh, we haven't found him yet. So that that was uh, Drew. Oh, deep, deep burn, Belichick, deep burn. I love it. Yeah, that was a good line. We love that. But it was a great night, John. Yes, Diego Fago was honored. And then uh, Talia Tagavailoa from Maryland was the Maryland recipient of the Most Outstanding Player Award. And then some high school award winners. Uh, the Broadneck quarterback, Josh Ehrlich, was the Rose Trophy winner as Most Outstanding Player in Arnold County. And the uh, lineman of the year was Kellen Wyatt from Archbishop Spalding, who's going to Maryland. So wonderful night, John. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, I'm, Bill, I, I've got to tip my cap to you for, for everything you've done, both in leadership roles and just support roles with the ATC. It does so much to connect, you know, that fibrous tissue between Anne Arundel County, um, the University of Maryland, the U.S. Naval Academy. It, it, it's what really makes the coverage that you provide in the Annapolis Capital Sports Section so important uh, because I believe it's the nexus of all of those things. Um, so back to Lax, what are your thoughts so far, Wags? This isn't exactly murder's row, murder's row for the mids to begin the season, but Manhattan and Hofstra are not walkovers either. You know, what has the team showed you so far? Because for me, like the basketball team, it's the depth in Joe Amplo's squad that stands out to me right now. Well, yeah, I mean, I was a little concerned after the Mount St. Mary's loss. Navy just didn't look good, and they looked tentative and just – I was worried. I, I was not sure how good this team was going to be, but Coach Amplo had said from the beginning of the season, this is a team that needs to play games. They're young, and even the kids that are juniors, like Pat Skowniak, they haven't played a lot of games because of COVID. The last two years, they had very few games. So uh, they just needed to get on-field experience, and that's why I think he set up the schedule the way he did. He did. You know, they're not playing a bunch of powerhouses in the non-conference. 
They need to play some similar teams and build some confidence. And obviously, three straight wins since this surprising loss to Mount. And uh, they've looked better with each game. Uh, Manhattan challenged Navy on Sunday. Um, you know, Navy had to battle back. They ended up outscoring Manhattan 6-2 in the second half, which showed some guts and, and toughness. So uh, they, they, they're improving and, uh, you know, I think High Point will offer another stiff test. Um, but, you know, I like Scouniak's been awesome. I tell you what, he's, I don't want to say All-American, but certainly a, a All-Patriot League type player. He's been scoring in every game, been very productive. The, his running mate, Dane Swanson, that's a nice one-two punch. It's usually your attackman or your leading scorers. In this case, Navy's two most reliable scorers are midfielders, Scouniak and, and Swanson. Um, they're going to need to get a little more production out of the attack. I think this Henry Toker has shown great promise. He had a hat trick in both the Hofstra and Manhattan games. Uh, he's a lefty attackman from McDonough. Um, so I think Toker is a guy that's really stepping up as a plebe. But um, defense has been solid. Uh, defense has held three straight opponents to six goals or less, John. Yeah, I, I've been impressed so far, and and I misspoke before. Uh, yeah, it was a two and zero trip up there to Strong Island over the weekend, but now they stand at three and one, not two and one. Um, yeah, really, just this high point matchup, and then the really much ballyhooed return of the uh, of the Hopkins rivalry uh, on March eighteenth. Other than that, it's all Patriot League ahead um, for this squad, including the star game, April 23rd up at army. You know, like I said, I think the depth is going to be there and you made a very good point that COVID has really robbed us of getting a strong look at these guys. And hopefully this season gives us an uninterrupted look at the uh, potential that Joe Amplo's guys have. Um, let's talk about some other great results. Uh, first of all, the 24th ranked and seventh seeded Navy squash team, completed a Cinderella run on Sunday by earning a 5-4 victory over fifth-seeded Tufts uh, to win the Summers Division. That's teams ranked from number 17 to 24 in the overall rankings of the 2022 Collegiate Squash Association National Collegiate Team Championship. That was held at the Penn Squash Center, uh, ironically named after Arlen Specter uh, up there, Arlen Specter U.S. Squash Center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. For those of you who need some bizarre uh, trivia, um, anyone wants some Patriot League silverware? The Navy swimming and diving teams closed out the Patriot League championship by winning a combined seven events Saturday night in Lejeune to sweep the team titles. The women's team totaled 973.5 points to outdistance second place Bucknell by nearly 400 points. That's an ass kicking, ladies and gentlemen. And win the team crown for the 10th year in a row and the 20th time in program history. If you think that's impressive, the Navy's men's team tallied 874 points to win the program's 18th title in 18 years of competing in the meet. Uh, they won by 133.5 points over second place. That's right. Army, uh, that's kind of the theme of the year. <laughs> Sorry. Congrats to both of these programs, but let's not Winston Wolf this just yet. They are right back in the pool this weekend in Lejeune hosting the ECAC championships. That's starting Friday night at 6 p.m. Roll in there and get a look at the swimmers. It's baseball season. Well, not in the major leagues, but for the men's it is. And after a walk-off win to start the season Friday, 
The Mids let the good times keep rolling on uh, on Saturday, trailing by a run in a back-and-forth affair that I was lucky to, to sit there and watch with Matt Munley of Navy Tickets. Uh, trailing by a run with one out in the ninth inning, Zach Stevens got an RBI triple to force extras. And then dust, the Dustin Pedroia-like spark plug of Joe Samorian worked a bases-loaded walk in the home half of the 12th to give Navy their second walk-off win in as many days. They won 11 to 10. Eduardo Diaz, Logan Keller, they paced Navy. They were just getting hits all over the place. Wags, you were out there Friday when it was really, really cold. I was out there Saturday when it was warmer, but like more wind than I've ever seen at a baseball game. After two games, what were your impressions of Costi's guys? Well, I can speak mostly to the Friday game uh, because I was obviously covered that for the paper. Um, the pitching, we said, was going to be a question mark, and it, pitching did not look so swift in the opener. Uh, actually, Nolan Jurgensen came off uh, out of the bullpen and pitched well for a few innings, but uh, everyone else that came in didn't really get the job done, and that's why Navy had to win in a uh, outscore uh, UMBC in that game. And it was, you know, got to give Navy a lot of credit uh, for they battled back from three deficits to win 10 9. Uh, pitching is going to be a work in progress. And uh, the problem on Friday night is the guys weren't throwing strikes. They started nibbling and aiming the ball. And Costi said, Are you either going to be aggressive, go after people, or you're not going to, we're not going to run you out there. So he's going to have to work on developing the pitching staff. They've got the bats, John. I mean, Logan Keller. Uh, Zach Stevens, Christian Policelli. I mean, they got plenty of firepower. Uh, so I'm not worried about the offense, but the pitching is, like I said, uh, it's going to take some time to develop the arms and figure out exactly who is reliable. Real quickly, I'll talk about the swimming and diving because I wrote up that yesterday. Um, Hannah Montal and Ethan Tack were the leaders. Uh, Hannah Montal won both the one and three meter diving uh, championships. Sydney Harrington is just amazing. She's got a lot of Patriot League championships under her belt, and she won the 50-yard freestyle, the 100-200 butterfly, and was also part of two, a uh, couple relay teams. And uh, in, in addition to Ethan Tack, uh, there was – Navy swept all the individual honors, John. Harrington was swimmer of the year, Montal diving of the year, diver of the year. Tack was men, men's swimmer of the year. They had uh, Haley Harris, who's rookie of the year on the women's side. So really impressive performance. Another guy who swam well for Navy was Everett Andrew. He won the 200 and 300, 500 freestyles. But, I mean, that's like death and taxes. Navy swimming and diving beats Army, and Navy swimming and diving sweeps Patriot League championships. It happens seemingly every year. Yeah, it was it was a really nice thing to see. And, and being in there, I even got some video – which I fashioned myself like Scorsese, like shooting diving video. I mean, the framing was spot on, uh, but it was just, it's, it's a great atmosphere. And I love that they host them and they'll get another chance to uh, play good host for ECACs this coming weekend. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of weather uh, that affected baseball, I I'm not sure if anyone saw my feeble attempt on Instagram live from Navy women's lacrosse on Saturday, but it was howling at Navy Marine Corps Stadium and I can be hyperbolic but it was super duper windy and like crazy I I just I felt unsafe up there in the upper decks of Navy Marine Corps Stadium but Navy women's lacrosse they rolled to a 16-3 victory over GW they had 10 different players score during the game including five with multiple goals 
uh, Denton, Leon, Eby, uh, Roloff, Beardmore. I mean, it, we we scored a bunch of tallies and uh, and got a great win. Next up, you can watch uh, the ladies on Friday night at 5 p.m. against Joe Cook's St. Joe's Hawks. Uh, a little Hawk will never die. Happy hour at the stadium, perhaps. Come out and support them. Speaking of support, um, the Navy women's basketball team needs ours. They close out the year with, uh, with two big home games. But before that, they had to go up and play Patriot League leaders Holy Cross over the weekend. They had them on the ropes before the Crusaders went on a 12-0 late run in the fourth and dispatched Tim Taylor's ladies 63-57. to The struggles continue. Uh, Jen Coleman did her very best. She had 17-8. and um, but it was not enough. They slid further down the standings, now stand in a tie for second to last. They go on the road midweek against bottom-dwelling Loyola before two home games to finish out. Saturday at Alumni Hall against Colgate at 4 p.m. and then senior night for Coleman and her teammates Sierra Hurtalendi and Daryl Langford on Wednesday, March 2nd at 7 p.m. Finishing it off, Navy men's tennis lost one match on the day and posting victories over Fairleigh Dickinson and... Villanova University Sunday. Uh, the Mids first defeated uh, Fairleigh Dickinson by the score of 6-1 and then smoked my Wildcats 7-0. I bet if Colin Gillespie picked up a tennis racket, the result would have been different. But alas, he was busy beating Georgetown. Uh, the women's team uh, swept a doubleheader against Brown and George Mason on Saturday as well. Great day on the courts for Navy tennis. And finally, the Navy track and field team hosted the Navy Select at Wesley Brown Fieldhouse. It was the final tune-up before the Patriot League Indoor Championships next weekend at Bucknell. The midshipmen tallied 26 IC4A and ECAC qualifying times um, and marks in the final home meet of the indoor season. I got to go out there and stand with OREP Commander Jana Vavasor for a while. Just so awesome seeing the athletes get after it out there for uh, you know getting ready for next week's Patriots. So, that was it. Um, we're going to head to break. And when we come back, we'll bring back Mike Heary to chat about the week and the weekend for Navy men's basketball. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Dry 5 and Red Red Wine Bar. Located in downtown Annapolis on Main Street, Dry 5 and Red Red Wine Bar offer everything you need for your night out on the town. Head to the wine bar where Haley will pour you a nice cab or head to Dry 5 for the spicy tots, a bourbon, or maybe Billy Maddox's famous Grapes of Wrath cocktail. Brian and Lisa Bolter, the owners of both establishments, have been providing Navy athletics support since the first opening of the wine bar 10 years ago. Swing by, say hello, grab a provision, because hey, it ain't against the law anymore. We're going to go to break. When we come back, Mike Curie joins us. This is Sing Second Sports. All right, Navy fans, a couple reminders for this week. The Navy cheer and dance teams will be hosting a pregame clinic on Saturday, February 26th from 1 to 3 p.m. The clinic package is $25 and includes the clinic lunch, a ticket to the Navy women's basketball game versus Colgate, and the opportunity to perform on the court with the Navy cheer and dance teams at halftime. For more information or to register, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY. It's never too early to start thinking about our future athletes. Navy sports camps are offered throughout the year and registration is open now by visiting NavySports.com and clicking on the Camps tab. 
At Navy Sports Camps, every camper has the opportunity to learn from the coaching staff, develop new relationships, and understand what it takes to be a Navy student athlete. It is truly a one-of-a-kind camp experience, and they look forward to seeing you soon. Log on to NavySports.com and click on the Camps tab today. And finally, football tickets are on sale. I'm sure all of you saw the announcement of the Navy's fall schedule uh, that came out last week. Experience the pageantry and excitement of Navy football all season long by purchasing or renewing your season tickets today. To secure your Navy football season tickets, call 1-800-US-4-NAVY or visit NavySports.com. Now back to the pod. All right, we are back. Awesome to be joined, as always, by Navy basketball great, former Naval Academy golf club champion, and now basketball instant replay specialist, Mike Heary. Mike, thanks for joining us. And update us quick. The greens at the Naval Academy golf course open up on March 1st. There will be new carts with GPS. So how's your game, and are you ready to go Joaquin Neiman wire-to-wire this season and win (laughs) back the club championship? Uh, John, I don't know about the club championship i'm uh in the middle of uh working on some new technology i am uh oh, i've got new irons on. yes well it, it's you know kind of like my every five year i gotta you know stay sharp with the latest technology so i've got new irons on order um after a nice fitting uh about a week week or so ago and then i have uh, a wedge fitting to get new wedges because you got to be dialed in with those if you're going to score. <laughs> oh, man. I'm telling you, you are always on the game, and I cannot wait for the uh, for the greens <laughs> to open. <laughs> well, let's quickly recap the week that was for the mids. A four-game winning streak, which included three huge road wins and a home blowout of Lafayette, skidded to a halt at home in the form of a truly disappointing loss to Holy Cross on Saturday, who started the season truly horribly. Like, they were 3-13, and 1-5 and five in the Patriot League, and they've now won 6-9 of nine and looked really, really good on Saturday. Well, they either looked really good or we looked really bad. We dropped the game 55-51. to 51. We shot a season-low 26% from the field, 15% from three-point range, and again, the foul shooting, 14 of 21 from the line, including huge misses by Najoku down the stretch. Holy Cross shot well. Tyler Nelson totaled 15 points, but he was no match for Garrell Gates with 24 and 12. And then the dagger by Patrick Dorsey's brother, Nolan, to win it. I, I don't know, Mike, what, what were your about? We'll get to what the instant replay madness was all about here in a minute. But <laughs> what, what were your impressions of what went down? It's pretty simple, John. Um, if you can't, score in, in basketball it's hard to win and this is a very concerning thing you know in a in the in the win streak leading up navy wasn't scoring 65 plus points per game with regularity uh their defense is elite it's you know top 10 in the country and there's no mistaking that but you got to be able to score you know 65 plus points per game and it's going to be even more important when the conference tournament starts in March, which is only a week away, basically. So, you know, my, my real concern is, is, is how this team is going to score. Um, and I can talk a little bit more about that as it relates to the conference tournament in a little bit. But, you know, you've you got to be able to, on your home floor, you know, shoot a much higher percentage than 26%. I mean, they had 
four, five guys, Sean Yoder, Greg Summers, John Carter, Austin Inge, and Jalen Walker went a combined four for 30 from the field. It, it, five guys combined four for 30. It's pretty hard to, to win when those particular guys are combined four for 30. Yeah, and you and Pete were talking about it. And before I let Wags dissect it a little bit more, I had to leave the game at halftime to go watch my son's basketball game. But what Wags and I had talked about in our halftime hit and what you and Pete talked about, too, is that they had so many looks close in. And at first, it kind of seemed like they were just having an unlucky day, right? Like, just just yep. in and outs on balls, like tough tap-ins that, wouldn't, that would spin around and out. They just weren't getting the 50-50s. And, and then, really, when, when they needed to be clutch at the end, it wasn't clutch. You know, it, it, how, how do you think that, like, all those bad bounces at the beginning kind of got into their heads, maybe? It's possible, John. The thing is, they made a concerted effort to, to drive the basketball. Greg Summers had 20 points in the game up at Holy Cross way earlier in the season. It's when he came off of his injury and, and played really well up there. And you could tell they were trying to either drive and attack the rim through the dribble drive or get post touches to Deaver Nijoku or, or Jalen Walker or anybody inside. So they certainly got a ton of great looks. I mean, the shot chart for them had to just be a mash of one big red marker of misses, uh, you know, in, in the paint. And that is the frustrating part is I think they were getting good looks. I think, you know, they were running pretty good offense at the end of the day. There's an element of player accountability with scoring where you've got to, to make shots. Now, you heard all week about six-week exams and, and those types of things, and, and that's a, a challenge. But at the same time, I'll say this again, there's been six-week and 12-week exams for as long as the Naval Academy has been around. And every player and every athlete goes through it, and this is a veteran group, primarily juniors and seniors. It's not their first six-week exams in February. So, you know, I have a hard time, you know, you know, real, thinking that that's a major excuse. It's part of the duties and responsibilities that midshipmen go through, and you got to fight through that. I thought actually in the warm-up, they, were, they had a ton of energy. Uh, you know, about 20 minutes before their normal routine, they do some things, you know, if, if you're, you're there early enough to watch, and their energy level was off the charts. It might have been the best I'd had ever seen it. And unfortunately that just didn't carry over into the game and they got to get into the gym the, the next few weeks and really work on, on their offense and, and getting up shots and seeing the ball go through the rim and having that repetition of just, you know, making baskets because it becomes really critical when the conference tournament starts. Agreed. Wags. Well, yeah, I, I agree with Mike, um, you know, six week exams, you know, look, lacrosse players had six week exams. They got on a bus, drove to long Island and beat Hofstra. Um, you know, you, you, you got to figure out a way to handle six week exams. And I know in basketball, your legs can be tired and that affects your shooting. But, uh, you know, like, uh, like Mike said, these juniors, seniors, veteran guys, they, they know how to handle this. And, uh, you know, a noon start probably wasn't ideal. There was no shoot around, which it didn't help, but, you know, I'm looking at what Mike's saying, you know, Navy had held three straight opponents to. 49 points or less, but, you know, they, they scored 52 against Army. They scored 55 against American. They beat Loyola 56-55. They beat American earlier 47-45. I mean, you have got to get into the 60s. So, Mike, I asked you to put your coaching hat on. I mean, what what is your 
answer to this. And I think, and I asked Coach to tell us about this in the post game on Saturday. You know, Summers and Carter have to take more than six shots. Uh, you know that they're their key key scores. Why are they only taking six shots? Yeah, well, I, I think it's a couple things, and I'll touch on why the scoring is so important when you get into the conference tournament as part of you know answering your question. I think this team, it's ironic too, right? They pressed to create some energy when they were down 15. I think it was 45-30, I want to say, um, to Holy Cross. They went to a press, the same press that Army and Lehigh went to to come back and beat Navy. We went to a press to kind of do the same thing. And what did it do? It gave us some energy. We got up and down the floor. We created some turnovers. This team needs to get out and transition more when they either get a steal or get a defensive rebound. It's, it, they're not playing. There's a fine line between playing too fast and not playing fast enough. And I think we've got to get the ball off the, the boards and, and, and look to score in a secondary break in a, in, a, in a transition fashion. You've got great athletes that can run the wings when they're in there, like Tyler Nelson and even Greg Summers and Carter can you know, hit, a, hit a transition three every now and again. Scoring is so pivotal when you get to a one-and-done scenario of the conference tournament, not just for the obvious, but it's this. If you are constantly in the half court grinding over possession by possession, every possession becomes life or death or the feeling of life or death for a player. You've got to play loose and free. I, I, I know this is going to sound like the old man talking about the olden days, but in, when we won our championship in 98, we beat La, La, uh, Lafayette 93-85. to 85. 93 to 85. We gave up 85 points. Do you think Coach DeVoe cared that we gave up 85 points? We won against Bucknell the previous year. I believe the score was 76-74. You've got to score. And the reason why it's important is because you put so much stress and pressure on every possession. And number two, scoring frees up guys to play loose. There's already enough pressure knowing that it could be a one-and-done scenario. But if you add to it that you're constantly grinding over every possession – it gets to be too much, I think. Um, Virginia is a unique anomaly, and I feel like we have a little bit of this model right now where the University of Virginia won a national championship with that sort of model. But if you look at how they won that national championship, they won it scoring with excellent defense, and they had a lottery pick, obviously, too. We, they also lost to a 16 seed, the first ever one seed to do that, because the pace of the game enables another team to stay in the game for the entire game when you're not scoring. So all these games we were talking about in, over the last four or five, save the Lafayette game, everyone's in it until the last five minutes because you're not separating yourself by shooting a high percentage. So all these things, are, I think, are, are a big part of it. I just think they got to push the ball when they get a defensive rebound and try to find something in transition from an X's and O's standpoint. And in the secondary break, Hey, it's okay if John Carter takes a transition three, 10 seconds into the shot clock. If he misses it, it doesn't mean it's a bad shot, especially in the first half, right? Especially early in the game when you're trying to get some energy and momentum. Those are the things that, you know, I see that tend to, you know, I think about and, and kind of frustrate me a little bit because the defense is too good. They're playing championship level defense, but the offense is nowhere near championship level. I agree, Mike. I mean, your defense is your calling card, and that's what, you know, Navy wins games with defense, but you can use that defense to create offense, and I agree. They're not doing that. They're 
they're getting defensive stops and walking it up the floor and going into extended uh, half-court possession. So I agree. If, if your signature and what you do best is play lockdown defense, use that to create transition and help your offense. Yeah, and Bill, and Bill, the thing about that is when you're playing in the regular season, it's okay because guess what? You got another game. But when this calendar turns to March, and right now, I think, if the Patriot League tournament started, guess who we would play, assuming they won the 7-10 matchup? Army in the first round or in the quarterfinal round. I think Army's the seventh seed right now. They would play the 10. If they won that pre-quarterfinal game, they would be coming to our place. And you put game pressure on, on a team that already struggles to score in a one-and-done conference tournament scenario, it's not a good recipe. They have got to be able to feel like when they go out on the floor and they're trying to potentially beat a Boston University a third time or trying to you know, win the rubber match against Army or whoever their opponent is, they got to feel as a team like we can, if we have to, outscore an opponent. And right now that's not there. And that's why this week coming up against Loyola and Colgate is so big because it's a momentum of you've got a loss here to Holy Cross, I mean, these two next two games, Colgate's really going to be difficult. Loyola's a 50-50 game. And you lose these games, now the momentum shifts against you going into the conference tournament, even though you still may be the two seed. Uh, so it's a, it's, this is a real crossroads, pivotal week for this team. It's not the end of the world because it's not the conference tournament, but confidence is huge going into March. Yeah, Mike, uh, completely agree, and as always, love your uh, love your analysis. Um, I, I do have to say, very funny. Yeah, tell us really quick what it was like to be a part of that replay scenario because on the radio, you could hear that you guys were calling the refs over to like have them look at like Strassmeyer's laptop, you know, which was utterly hilarious. And I'll set the stage for everyone. Before the game, there was some issue with like the connectivity shocker in alumni hall, there's bad Wi-Fi or something, but like they couldn't do replay. And then at the end of the game, after Dorsey's dagger three, we got the ball back by the benefit of a replay that they initially called as being off of us, but it was actually just Holy Cross who threw it out of bounds. So, so Mike and Pete Medhurst were shepherding the, the refs through the replay. What was that like? It, it, it was hysterical. First off, just to set the stage too, John, it was, the, there was the connectivity issue. I think the Comcast line or something was out. You know, you would think after all these years I've been doing radio and, and online, I would know all the intricacies of what, how this all, all this stuff works. But there was, a, there was an outage. So Scott Strasmeyer told Pete and I that, hey, if we needed a replay, we'll go to his, they'll go to his laptop and use the ESPN Plus feed. Okay, no problem. So end of the game, the first real scenario took place where this ball might have been out of bounds on either Holy Cross or Navy. It was called out on Holy Cross. They go over, the refs go over to Scott's laptop, and they're like, can we get a better look? The feed on his laptop wasn't very good. Meanwhile, we were looking at it, which is the feed that the ESPN Plus folks or everyone's watching, and we're like, it's clearly off on Holy Cross, and they need to see this. So they come darting around into our plexiglass area where we sit, and the, the refs start looking at it. The first ref does. He calls over the second ref. Hey, you got to see this because it was clearly 
um, off on Holy Cross. And I think the first ref used a swear word that I don't know if that came through the radio or not. He was like, oh, you know what? Because he realized, he realized they missed the call. It was priceless. I think I said to Pete afterwards, I go, well, we are now one for one in instant replay uh, in our college basketball uh, calling careers. Mike, it was hysterical. Like, I was literally laughing out loud in my car because you could hear Medhurst like, oh, it's plain as day. You can see it right here. And then all, of a sudden the, all of a sudden, the ref is over there. So in- incredibly funny. Um, and, you know, congrats on going uh, one for one um, on your replays. Wags, uh, any last questions before you let Mike go and wrap this up? Well, I'll just say I-, I thought it was hilarious. And I've been covering basketball a long time. I'd never seen anything like that. And I posted to Twitter, Navy radio play-by-play man Pete Metters has convinced the officials to overturn the call. And Pete got all upset. He's like, all we did was provide a replay. But uh, <laughs> it was funny. Yeah. Uh, it was hysterical. Well, it was it was fun. Uh, I, I enjoyed it, though. Now I know, you know, I think Paul Evans uh, is over there typically doing that sort of thing um, over on the other side of the court. So now I know what he feels like. <laughs> well, uh, Mike, let's hope that you go two for two on this uh, going forward. Um, yeah, thank you again uh, for being here. Uh, Mike Here's appearance and uh, this podcast in general, sponsored by the Naptown Scoop. Naptown Scoop is revolutionizing news in Annapolis. Naptown Scoop puts everything you want to know about Annapolis in one place. Live music, restaurant reviews, new businesses, events for adults and kids, and even weather and boring political news. It's a one-stop shop. Navy will close the home portion of its regular season Wednesday when it plays host to Loyola. Come out on senior night, support these guys, make the environment a little bit more like it was like up at Army for the Star Game. They got all the cadets out there. Six weeks exams are over. Come out and support. Um, Okay, that does it for us on our next pod, which will be Thursday. We'll bring you the pregame for the Brigade Boxing Championships. We'll talk to Coach McNally and a boxer. And your next chance to support the Mids will not only be for basketball, but Wednesday for baseball versus Coppin State at 2 p.m., although it is supposed to rain. As we go out, a special thanks to friend of the pod and class of 71 Brigade Commander Mike Hekimovich, who played such a gracious host out in Phoenix this past weekend for Chris Cervello and me. Mr. Hekimovich, you are the best. For Chris and Wags, and Ward, and Mike Heary. I am John Schofield. This is Sing Second Sports. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association, the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of the podcast segment.